0: Hi, I'm Paui, and you're listening to Rappler Podcasts. You're listening to Hustles Inside the Industry, where we talk to professionals and find out how they got here, why they're doing what they do, and what it takes to do it. This is Paui of Rappler's Hustle Team, and joining us today, we have Roland Ross, founder and CEO of Filipino streaming app Kumu. Welcome, Roland.
1: Hey, what's going on?
0: anyone out there who's been keeping score, we've spent the past episodes predicting the possible futures of industries ranging from food and fashion to fitness and filmmaking. But as businesses now open up and ease into social distancing, we want to bring the spotlight back to the individual and their personal stories on innovation and enterprise. So on that note, Roland, tell us and our audience, what is Kumu and how did you get it started? So,
1: basically, you know, listening to my accent, I'm actually a Filipino-American, born and raised in Los Angeles, and, you know, my parents uh, are actually born and raised in the Philippines, and I've always been super curious about the Philippines, and so I had an opportunity at the University of California, where I went to school, to study abroad. Uh, I went to University of the Philippines, Los Baños, and I fell in love with the country. Oh, and wow. I- yeah, no, and it was so beautiful because it was like in the province, you know, and yeah. with all the, the things that are happening back home, you could see that I actually felt more at home in the Philippines than I did in the United States. And so after I graduated, I knew someday I would actually come back uh, to the Philippines. But it ended up being more of like a 15 to 20 year journey. I accidentally became an entrepreneur. Um, I helped start a, a startup in Silicon Valley. We had an opportunity to sell the business, and finally, for the first time ever, actually had the resources to go back uh, to the Philippines. And so when I was over there, um, you know, one of the things is I actually engaged in a lot of humanitarian work and and social work, and that's where I met my co-founder. He was a college student at Brown University, but he was born in Dumaguete, and he was doing this amazing work, uh, doing uh, internships for Really high-performing Filipino students around uh, the U.S., Canada, U.K. So we're talking Filipino students from Harvard, Stanford, Georgetown, Brown, uh, University of London, University of Toronto. And when I saw the type of work that he was doing, it reminded me of the life-changing conversation that, or the life-changing experience that I went through. And so when I helped uh, Rexy, my co-founder, uh, with his nonprofit to the Philippines, um, the Philippine ambassador to the United States, uh, Jose Quishe at the time, was like Roland you know, we really appreciate the amount of humanitarian work that you're doing in the Philippines, but maybe the best way that you could help the country is why don't you actually, you know, you do all this advertising technology and Silicon Valley work in the U.S., and then you come back to the Philippines and you do humanitarian work. Then you go back to the U.S., you do more more business, and then you come back to the Philippines to do more humanitarian work. He said, "Maybe instead, why don't you actually start a technology company in the Philippines?" Because his argument is the the amount of technology jobs that you create, and really just building a technology business in the Philippines could actually have more of a positive impact than right. uh, you know me just being another you know wanna be humanitarian trying to do clean water projects or those types of things. And, and it was a huge ask. And when I talked to Rexy about it. Uh, We knew that we couldn't do it on our own. And so, what happened was, uh, we were looking at each other and we're like, dude, let's be Samuel Jackson, you know? And we put on that eye patch and (laughs) we did our version of like the Avengers. (laughs) Avengers. Yeah. And so, what we did is we looked for our Hulks and we looked for our Thors or Black Widows. So, we went to New York, we went to San Francisco, Silicon Valley, Washington, D.C., Los Angeles, San Diego. Wow. And once we had our initial class of five Avengers, we actually all moved to the Philippines, left behind our lives in the United States and moved to the Philippines for a better life. And so when we got here, uh, it was like, okay, what are we going to do? And what was really amazing about that experience was we were started getting a lot of advice. So there's this venture capitalist, his name is Dado Bonazzo. Uh, he, he had invested, or uh, he was our first advisor, and we got some advice from some Chinese technologists. And we started saying, wow, you could actually build a significant business prioritizing the voices of an entire country. So we looked at like what WeChat did in China, we saw what Kakao did in Korea, and what Line did in Japan. But those were social right. messaging apps back in 2010, but if you look at the emerging markets, uh, what Nadine did with Gojek, prioritizing the voices of Indonesians, it was more of an approach with, mm-hmm. that combined Grab, Food Panda, and GCash into one app. But then, what ended up happening too is we got really inspired by Hong Minh and what he did, building a two billion dollar app ecosystem, prioritizing the voices of the Vietnamese through VNG mm-hmm. Corporation. So with that approach, uh, we initially said, okay, let's 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 build an app for the Philippines. And this is so, so funny that we're, we're having this conversation because um, to, to launch an app in the Philippines in February 18 was our MVP. But the problem was it was a Filipino messaging app, and no one cared. It was like, who gives a crap about <laughs> Filipino Viber, right? It's like Viber's already been. You know, the younger people are using Telegram and that type of stuff. Yeah, but. You know, when you look at what Bourbon did, right? Bourbon started out as a messenger app. And they noticed that not that many people were using the messaging function, but they were all using the photo sharing function. So Bourbon
0: yes, pivoted
1: yes. and became Instagram, right? Or Slack, right? Slack started out as a video gaming platform. But then they noticed that... I something... didn't know that. Yeah, so Slack actually... I love
0: Slack. <laughs> yeah, so if
1: you look at their pivot, they started out as a video gaming platform. And then what happened is so many people were just using the messaging uh function more. So they decided to pivot and become a messaging platform for teams. So the same Mm -hmm. thing happened with us. We noticed that not that many people are using the messaging, but wow, a lot of people, um, specifically a cohort of 50 to 100 people, were utilizing the live streaming function. So that's when we pivoted into becoming a live streaming app in August 2018. And that's when Mm. Kumu really grew. So
0: very soon after.
1: Yeah, so August 2018. So since August 2018, when we rebranded as a live stream app, uh, we got to around 4 million users. Uh, We became the number one highest grossing social app in the Philippines. But because we were capturing the attention span of Gen Zs and Millennials uh, in other markets, we actually became the number 10 highest grossing social app in Canada, the number 10 highest grossing social app in Kuwait. Yeah, in Canada (laughs) and Kuwait and then top 25 in markets like Australia, New Zealand,
0: Saudi Arabia. These are for like the Philippine diaspora, I'm guessing.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely, and so that's what actually ended up becoming kind of the key takeaway was this whole concept of authentic community that um, our mostly Gen Z and Millennial base were tired of pretending that their life was perfect, or the anxiety of comparing yourself to an ideal of perfection that happens with Instagram, or hiding behind a keyboard and really displaying toxic behavior and bullying behavior with Twitter mm-hmm. and Facebook, because Kumo is one hundred percent live. You actually have an opportunity with no edits to be real, raw, and authentic and completely yourself. But on the other side, um, your your content is not being recognized with views or likes. One of the reasons why it became the highest grossing social app in the Philippines is because people are recognizing your content by giving you gifts that convert into yes. pesos yeah. in real time. So it's like… You know when you see someone playing the guitar on BGC High Street or in, mm-hmm. in Eastwood? The buskers. The buskers. So basically, we, we accidentally built one of the largest digital busking platforms in the world. <laughs> and it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's it's been so nuts. And, um, you know, our first believer was Liza Gokongwei. Uh, she's the um, uh, founder wow. of Summit okay. Media. And then shortly after that, uh, with the help of her brother Lance and... Um, you know, her sisters, they they actually own a much larger business than I thought, more than bigger than some mm-hmm. of the media. Um, ABS-CBN shortly uh, followed as an investor. And yes, then, I saw. Correct. Yeah, and then a third business family, the Ayala family, uh, recently invested uh, through their ownership in Globe. And then joining them, uh, leading that investment was a venture cap- – it is a venture capital firm in Singapore called Open Space Ventures, uh, who is widely known as the early investor in Gojek, which became that $10 billion app mm. in Indonesia. And one of their things is, hey, we're investing in you because we hope you could be the champion of the Philippines, much like Gojek was in Indonesia. And so, sure, Yeah. Sure. No,
0: this is like super inspiring already. I think um, – it seems like the only way to thrive in the tech industry is this quality of fluidity, right? It's not it's not as much the platform or the specific innovation as it is kind of I guess listening to your market and seeing seeing what what functions they value, right? And how they how they capitalize on that?
1: Absolutely. I think uh, you know one of the one of my earliest um mentors and friends told me, you know, you, have, you could have an initial idea, right? Like our MVP, Messenger app for Filipinos, right? Sure. <laughs> that totally did not happen. But you leave enough room for the community and you use data and you listen. You, you do So from a quantitative perspective, you look at the data, but from a qualitative perspective, you pick up the phone and freaking interview these users. And then you start saying, oh, give enough room for the community to to, find, to d- define the product. And then once they define the product, then you start iterating based off of their feedback. And um, yeah. and then it just totally becomes an app that, I mean, come on now. like A lot of people are like, Roland, you're stupid. Why would you launch a live streaming app in a bad internet country? And they're absolutely right. correct because that did not come from my genius because I'm not a genius. All I did was look at the data both from a quantitative and qualitative perspective. And to your point, I listened to them and it looked like that from a timing perspective live streaming made a lot of sense and i don't know we're just really excited about it
0: yeah and i mean you know we're starting to see filipinos just embrace the live streaming industry at large right i'm i'm seeing more more recommended videos of F- filipino live streamers on facebook right we ha- we obviously have twitch we have youtube we have those traditional apps let's zero in a bit more on kumu's uh, platform and interface specifically why don't we try our best to give our listeners a quick audio tour of how Kumu works and how it looks like.
1: So the most important thing is this whole concept of authentic community. And so when you download the app, what's going to happen is you're going to just see a whole entire wall of live streamers. And when you look at those live streamers, the positive aha moment that occurs is when you jump into a live stream and you find content that's engaging and relevant enough, you actually give a virtual gift. So, you know, very similar to when you go to Mrs. Fields Cookies um, at the mall, uh, you get like a free sample sample, and then if you oh, like yes, it... Love them. Exactly. I so know. what we do is we give everybody a free sample sample of the experience.
0: So they, so they start with, I guess, currency, right? Or, or yeah, just,
1: yeah, super, super tokens. tiny. Exactly. And so what happens is we just give you a little bit, and that's where you cut through the, the social media noise of what's occurring uh, compared to like a lot of the other platforms. So what happens is you have um, enough to give two tahos, uh, or one, uh, one two piece chicken which is 1 peso, right? And and one Those uh, are the
0: actual units? Yeah, exactly. So the I love it. <laughs> yeah, so the
1: halo-halo is uh, 50 centavos and uh, the two piece chicken is 1 Great. 1 peso. And then the the really big ones is the Malacañang, you can get that's around 2000 pesos. And so what happens is you 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 give them a, a halo-halo, right? So for example, we just had this person uh, Ivana Alawi, she's like a pretty popular Oh YouTuber. yeah, yeah. And so sure. Ivana was live yesterday, and so you you give a you, you give her a hollow hollow, right? And then she goes, oh, you know, thank you, Paulo, for the hollow hollow. Boom, yeah, boom. There, yep. That's that's the authentic right connection. There. there it is. Mm-hmm. And so what's so beautiful about that is, it, it's not exactly a viral product, right? We're more social network, while TikTok is more social media. And so the the value I of see. our our thing is more on the network perspective. So. What happens is the more connections you make, so from a viral perspective, because it's authentic, and let's get be completely real here is, for example, it's Pride Month, right? You have a lot of users. Uh, it's a safe and accepting place, so you're, you're, you're struggling coming out. You're talking about your sexuality. You're talking about being mm. bullied, so you're not necessarily inviting your parents and even some of your barkata mates who don't know about you being gay yet, Right. Into Kumu. What it is, is you're actually downloading Kumu to find other people who get you also.
0: I see. I see. Right.
1: So that's why it's more niche. It's like we have a huge LGBTQ plus community. You have cosplayers. We have rappers. We have DJs, uh, Mm -hmm. both from a hip hop perspective, trance. Uh, wellness social anxiety so it, it's really that type of a thing so it's cool. just well' yeah. it seems
0: to be like the subcultural community migration right they come they come in droves basically
1: yeah exactly because you know um, you know who helped drove that a lot so one of my co-founders one of my old college friends he actually helped drive a lot of that subcultures in Manila so he is the founder one of the founders of black market uh, wildly known as like oh excellent bad addition uh, what's his name uh, Angelo Mendez uh, he's one of my oh, oldest friends uh, over 20 years now. And so, you know, with folks like him and, you know, Victoria Herrera and and Mm Michiko, you know, from Moreno Movement, I I feel like we've really built a team that could empathize and understand the spirit of all the crazy crap that's going on (laughs) uh, for the Gen Z millennial generation.
0: I mean, and I think people are craving that right now, especially, you know, we talked about social distancing culture and you know, just the few communities that you've already outlined to me, I already know kind of the, the specific melting pots where, where they would be located in Metro Manila. But since they can't convene physically now, uh, more than ever, I feel like they're flocking to platforms like this, no?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And again, for us, so a- another thing that's actually not technological, but more cultural is the fact that Kumu has identified three core values safety positivity and acceptance and so if you're going onto the app being like super political or negative or bullying or whatever we actually say hey look we respect you we accept you but if you want to be like that there's a platform like that called facebook and twitter for you to do that or if you're you're pretending oh you know you're 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 flossing you're showing off you know that's not kumu. you can Mm -hmm. go to to instagram and i think um the most important thing is really focusing on acceptance and and safety and positivity. So it actually creates a a really nice safe place. And
0: That's really uh, good. Yeah, so that's That's already kind of like a, that's almost like a value proposition these days in uh, given all the events going on right now, people are starting to prioritize privacy and safety more than ever as they um, tread these platforms.
1: Yeah, because you know, from a technological perspective, uh, I told you we're a busking platform, right? So we take a small mm. percentage of all the transactions that happen, and that's how we earn. And also a small percentage of all the e-commerce transactions. Did you notice that uh, our number one um, way to earn money is not through, you know, AI-driven advertising? Mm-hmm. And because mm-hmm. of that, the implication is we don't need to give data to advertisers to make money. And so because of that, it takes that the whole privacy issue out.
0: So you have zero. You have zero ad revenue.
1: We do have ad revenue, but it's not, okay. it's not Just the kind where, percent. yeah, okay. we're about 99% busking right now and mm-hmm. less than one, one percent. but you rate. know,
0: that seems to come hand in hand, right? With these live streaming platforms, You've, even before it was built in, you would see people on Twitch using third parties like Patreon, right? It seems, th- you, you know, this is the age of patronage in that sense.
1: Yeah, no, Absolutely. A lot
0: of people, that would
1: score a lot, but I know that there are some people who would happily use I'm polyamorous label to basically justify anything, Mm. to justify sleeping around, to justify not committing, but that flies in the face of how we see it.
0: It's my choice not to be a mother, but I'm not, it's not. Dissing on mothers. Dissing. On motherhood, uh, about on parenthood, purely person-to-person basis. Uh-oh. I'm Marguerite Leon, host of Rapplers I've Got an Opinion, where I speak to ordinary people who have a lot to say about extraordinary issues. Listen in every other Wednesday at 8pm on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Okay, let's talk about the company then, or, or more of the behind the scenes. How big is Kumu right now as a company, and what kind of people work there?
1: So right now, we have around 65 people. Uh, we had multiple offices, but we basically so I was sharing an office with Summit Media uh, for the main office, and then um, we had another studio that was close to ABS CBN. Uh, but because of social distancing, we decided just to keep the studio open and and um, observe uh, social distancing, um, you know laws, and yeah,
0: like skeletal workforce. yeah,
1: exactly. But then everyone now is just uh, working from home. And so, the way the team is actually broken up is we have product, technology, programming, and community uh, are basically our, our, our main teams. And so the community is really amazing. You know, that's uh, – what's his name? So that's James, one of my closest friends as well. Uh, he used to be a U.S. Air Force um, military, police uh, you know, he's <laughs> he's like the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. We you know? we, we
0: should have brought him on. We should have brought him on. Oh, the- <laughs> he's
1: crazy. And so Next the way time. he does it is just he creates, you know, he makes sure that we're like Disneyland. Because Disneyland, a lot of people don't recognize that Disneyland um, – has one of the most strictest security forces on Earth because if you start acting mm. a fool in Disneyland, you'll get kicked out, <laughs> right? Because they they religiously right. protect this positive atmosphere, and so that's why we're yeah. unapologetic about creating this kind of safe place. So, so that's the community, and on the programming side, it's basically our social television network where we have a lot of former, um, you know, folks who used to work for GMA and ABS.
0: Yeah, I mean, you have great mentorship already given your, uh, your your kind of invest investment body.
1: Absolutely, and I think uh, because of the digital transformation uh, of what's happening uh, in not just the Philippines but all over the region, it's actually forcing a lot of these family businesses to be more open-minded about, you know, making an investment, but also uh, more like, okay, but we have minimum control, which uh, is actually Mm -hmm. super key. Uh, But yeah, so yeah, the the team's been been great, I think. And then from a product perspective, uh, one of my fraternity brothers from college, uh, he moved right, so um, he's kind of like Loki uh, of the (laughs) the Avengers, but it's okay, we love him, right, because you know, at the end, you know, there's that redemption, you need him, yeah, yeah, there's that redemption story arc where, you know, I, uh, you know, despite his his mischievousness, we love him and he's the best, he's got to trick Thanos, yeah, exactly, (laughs) he's going to trick Thanos and and all those types of things and, um, you know, and yeah, we just, uh, it's a family and uh, just very grateful.
0: Awesome. And so how many, uh, how many users are we talking about now? How many people are on Kumu right now?
1: So right now, especially since COVID, um, we noticed that we did shoot over past 4 million users. Um, we're approaching uh, beyond a million and a half of them are actually active users. Um, and then they're spread out into over 50 countries. So the makeup is around 25, wow. 25% Metro Manila. Uh, 65% in the province, but specifically high-capacity cities in the province where you see like a lot yeah. of BPO, So uh, a lot of CDO: uh, Cebu, Davao, Ilo Ilo, Bacolod, Naga, uh, Lawag, yeah. And then uh, internationally, uh, strong strong presence in, in the MENA region. You know, uh, Riyadh, Jeddah, Oman, Qatar, Abu yeah, Dhabi, sure. and then Hong Kong, Singapore, Malaysia, Japan. Uh,
0: presence,
1: yeah. Yeah, U.S., Canada, Norway, U.K., uh, Italy.
0: I guess that that's inevitable. It seems inevitable, given just going back to the DNA of all this, going back to the five Avengers. You are yourselves um, uh, diasporic Filipinos, like myself, also, and especially when you when you come back here and and you work with the industry here, you inevitably already bring this global perspective, and that will eventually um, affect the way you operate you know
1: that's it, it's basically you know globalization you know one of the things I, I look at the Philippines right uh, coming from Los Angeles LA had an impact on the world because of its ability to create you know it, it was the headquarters of you know, uh, film creativity. So the type of movies that came out of Los Angeles helped impact Mm -hmm. the world. Or when I built the, you know, my company in Silicon Valley, the, the technology. And so that region of the world was able to impact the world because of the technology companies out of there. And so when I look at the Philippines and I look at the English educated base, it's like, okay, cool. Yes. I see how they impacted the healthcare industry globally because of the way our, our healthcare workers, um, you know, are taught in English and the strength of that. Secondly, mm-hmm. because of that educated workforce in English, we also became the customer service uh, kind of arm yeah, the BBO, for the global symbol. Exactly. But what a lot of people, and this is where my, this is what I talk to you about with my investors is,
0: sure,
1: what would happen if the social media capital of the world created its own app, and what the hell would it look? Mm. And that's why international investors, I can't tell you who, but some of the largest international investors in the world right now as we speak, we're talking to because they're completely shocked about the type of engagement uh, that we've been able to drive. And a lot of that has has nothing to do uh, with me, has everything Mm -hmm. to do with the Philippines being at the forefront of social media and showing the world that this is how to do a social media app. No more of the freaking uh, anxiety and the social media pressures. No longer with the privacy issues. Right. It's just community focus. It's about authentic community. And screw all the fakeness. This is it. <laughs> and it, it's been pretty cool. Because you know the, the biggest thing that a lot of early investors, oh, you know, live streaming for money is not new. And the best way to make money since you're in the Philippines is sexy girls, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, uh, F uh, that. There's no way. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. And what we recognize through data is that just as enticing as an objectified woman live streaming for money is manga. Food, singing. Oh
0: yeah. Right? You know People watch hours of that every day. Exactly. The number <laughs> one love that.
1: the number one hashtag right now is uh Tambai. So it's just people just hanging out. Tom, yeah, know, yeah. So exactly. Yeah.
0: You I mean you hit you hit the nail on, on the head right there. Kind of the status quo or like the entrepreneurs problem that they were trying to solve. At least was this this irony that Filipinos are the biggest voice um, on social media and yet we've always been just users exactly it's
1: like why chase the culture when you could create culture right and it's like you know you you, you've seen those growth hacks where youtubers purposely use hashtags that would gain a Filipino audience look so for example um, there's like yes yes, yes, right exactly so what we're trying to do is I don't know, when I, when I was telling um, my founder's story, uh, I purposely said that we all left the United States and moved to the Philippines for a better life. Remember I, I said that? And one of the reasons mm-hmm. why I say that mm-hmm. because it messes with people's minds when I say that because so many people are used to the narrative of going back yeah,
0: to yeah, things. It, it, it seems counterintuitive, right? I mean, it's counter uh, to the, to yes, the status quo.
1: Exactly. And so that's one of the main reasons why I also say what would actually happen if you built an app in the social media capital of the world and how could the world be impacted that way? Because mm-hmm. it's just really focused on really changing the narrative that the Philippines is actually a lot more innovative than than people think.
0: Yes, that, I've been saying that man. We 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 always we always discount ourselves, so I guess I guess now's the time, right? Now's the time to finally unleash it. I'm loving this conversation. Let's talk about the future a bit more. You were talking about um you're you're reaching kind of this critical mass of, of users, and now you're getting all these investments from, o- from all over the world. So what exactly is next for Kumu?
1: Well, the next thing for Kumu, so it's also paying attention. So um, some advice that I got is recognize where the wave is because, and then what you do is you ride that wave. And, and the mm-hmm. big wave that's hit, hitting the Philippines and Southeast Asia, while Kumu is the surfboard to this wave, is the fact that you're dealing with one of the fastest growing, even though it doesn't feel like that, Um, It's one of the fastest growing and digitally growing uh, countries in the world right now and it's a combination of a perfect storm. You have billions of dollars in investment going into uh, 4G LTE and making the internet better. Although the internet is bad, it's still you got you can't discount the fact that the internet is being invested in that's number 1
0: i think within the next 2 years we're already seeing significant strides for sure
1: exactly so that's the first and then number 2 if you look at all the technology unicorns that happened in india it all happened this is the key thing after xiaomi huawei vivo and oppo flooded the entire country with cheap high quality smartphones see when I, say, mm. ch- when I say cheap, high-quality smartphones, see, the, the, the key difference is it's affordable and it has, like, 3 gigabyte RAM, 32 gigabyte hard drive, and they're smartphones. And so when the entire country was just flooded with basically the most revolutionary enter- entertainment device on Earth, which mm-hmm. is the smartphone, mm-hmm. and you see the same thing happening. Like, you know, I, I, I'm looking at, like, I was talking to Huawei, Vivo, Oppo, Realme, Xiaomi, uh, and Huawei, and they're all launching 3 gigabyte RAM 64-gigabyte hard drive phones for only $100, which is crazy. Yeah, it's insane. Because a couple of years ago, <laughs> those things were like $500. And so Bread. imagine you're this year, basically, China is releasing a bunch of not iPhone 11s, but iPhone 8s for $100, right? So that's number two, is the smartphone, right? And then mm-hmm. number three is you have the fact that you have a market of over 50 million internet users that are mostly median age, Gen Z and millennial and there's something beautiful is that when you see those three ingredients come together it's not just Kumu, it's going to be companies like Paymongo and Great Deals and Tonic Bank and and this new generation of tech entrepreneurs who are just like it's the spirit and it's just just amazing and so for us um, obviously it's just going to be really uh, we have exponential growth in our e-commerce business so that's number one two is um, dramatically growing our our user base uh, globally Uh, Because we're actually far ahead of schedule. Uh, We just surprised our investors. We're actually two quarters ahead of schedule in terms of... I mean, it sounds like
0: it. (laughs) Yeah,
1: it's so crazy. I mean, they're shocked that, like, what? You guys are profitable already? You know, those types of things that we're super proud of. And so just continuing to look at the Google to report that says that uh, that the Philippines is going to be a $25 billion internet economy in the next three to four years. And all Kumu needs is just a small, small share of that market share to be a significant business. That ironically goes back to the original thing that Ambassador Krish said, create technology jobs in the Philippines. That's how you're going to impact the Philippines. Create Like right now, we have 239 live streamers who earn full-time incomes on Kumu and about 6,000 correct, correct. 6, live yeah. streamers who earn part-time. You know, what would happen if we had 5,000 live streamers earning full-time income uh, and, and 100,000 uh, live streamers earning part-time income? It's, it's that kind yeah, that's of uh, thing. So that, that's, that's what uh, we're focused on.
0: Love it, dude. I mean, kudos, kudos to Kumu. That that should be like a slogan of some sort. (laughs) Um, One of my last questions, you touched up on a lot of big picture things here. And I wanted to dig more into what can aspiring tech entrepreneurs here in the Philippines uh, look forward to uh, in the tech industry at large?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things I alluded to, right, you saw great deals, they just raised $12 million, Tonic Bank, Sequoia made its first investment uh, in the Philippines, right? They put $20 million into Tonic Bank and and FinTech. You know, um, BCG wrote a report saying that uh, e-commerce would be a $4 trillion emerging market opportunity uh, in the emerging markets. And the main levers are digital influence, payments and logistics. And I I highly, highly recommend you guys read the Google Tomastic report on uh, Southeast Asia because you'll start seeing a lot of different opportunities in terms of really uh, improving uh, the way of life in the Philippines so right now um, the, the biggest biggest piece of advice I can give that which came from Dado, is like look at the key five things it's, it's number one it's not just funding that's one of the five but two is like yeah. what is your technological advantage three how's your team Four, what's your operating plan and number five this is the most important thing is timing And so I highly recommend that you guys go Mm. to incubators like the AIM Dotto Incubator at Asian Institute of Management or Kubo. Cool. Um, Yeah, um, yeah,
0: AIM huge. huge. Yeah, Yeah.
1: AIM and Kubo. And and start coming up with your MVPs because right now we're in the middle of a huge chunk of digital growth, digital GDP growth of the Philippines. And so just go out there and and, and just try a bunch of stuff because this is an exciting time to start a company in the Philippines.
0: Awesome, dude. Really loved the conversation. I guess we can wrap things up now, uh, unless unless you have, do you have any last things you might have missed out on in terms of, I guess, advice for aspiring tech entrepreneurs or that's that was it?
1: Uh, no, I mean, you know, a lot of people say, hey, COVID, COVID, COVID. Um, here's the deal. Look at 2008. It's in the middle of crisis mm-hmm. where the greatest opportunities, if you could find a particular business opportunity in the middle of this environment i'm telling you you're going to shine and you're going to just be looking completely different so yeah but thank you so much for having me
0: this was this was super i'm i'm pumped now i'm pumped i'm sitting i'm sitting at home i'm amped yeah let's <laughs> okay, do it so on that note to wrap things up we are continuing our play of the week segment so we talked a lot about work and business let's talk about play Any fun activities or recommendations for our listeners to unwind from the busyness of business? So what you got for us, Roland?
1: You know, to unwind, ironically, it's the number one thing. You got to manage what's in between your ears. And so I always start the day uh, with a 10-minute morning meditation. And it's super simple. Number one, I start with gratitude. Number two, I put myself in this uh, higher presence. And then number three, I just simply think about the three main things um, that I'm going to get accomplished today. And that simple 10 minute exercise completely helps re-trigger and rewire my brain so that I don't have to unwind so much because I could be happy with the fact that I accomplished those three specific things.
0: Awesome, dude. That's perfect. I mean, we see we see some of the best some of the best in the world exercise such practices. I'm not saying that I'm one of them, but I, I have similar I have a similar morning routine. Yeah. Um my own my own play of the week is something more specific and Afraid to say it's a shameless plug, but I am proud to say that I am celebrating my fifth year since I became a published children's, children's author. Whoa. So this weekend, yeah. yep, this weekend, my uh, children's picture book, Jamie's Best Friend, J-A-M-I-E's Best Friend is now on Amazon Kindle. Um, we're on Apple Books, Kobo, basically most of the platforms we're trying to get on uh, Google to later on. It's written by me, illustrated by the vlogger known as Penelope Pop, a.k.a. Winnie Wong, former guest of the podcast. Please check it out on Amazon. It's called Jamie's Best Friend. It's $9.99, so that should be around 500 pesos. Support your uh, local uh, storytellers, and uh, I would super appreciate, appreciate it. it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to keep up with me and Jamie's Best Friend, I am on Instagram. That's probably my best platform at Powie Fiction, P-A-W-I Fiction. And how about you, Roland? How can people keep up with you and Kumu?
1: Yeah, actually, um, I'm mostly on LinkedIn. I'm so lame. Uh, And then you (laughs) you could just download Kumu on the Google Play Store, Apple Play Store, or Huawei Play Store. Thanks so
0: much for joining me today, Roland. Awesome. Thank you so much, man. So thank you out there for listening. If you haven't already, please stay tuned to Hustles Inside the Industry. We're on Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever you find your podcasts. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Oh, and before you go, if you or anyone you know is a professional in a bold and exciting industry, we'd love to hear all about it. Email us at hustle at rappler.com, H-U-S-T-L-E at rappler.com for your chance to be the next guest here on Inside the Industry.